Thanks so much. Uh, I'm, I'm going to start. Um, I have a confession to make. Can I start in confession? The confession is this. Um, Alan asked me to come serve Southlands, um, and I said I would pray about it, but I didn't. I didn't pray about it. <laughs> As a pastor, you're, you're, you're supposed to say that you'll pray about it. To, to, to everything. It's how we kind of establish our pedigree, you know? <laughs> when asked about things, we say, we'll pray about it. And Alan phoned and he said, hey, would you come and, and serve Southlands? And I said, I'll pray about it. But I, 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 I then said yes, right after. And, and the reason I didn't pray about it is because I kind of ha already have a stance. I already have a, a position. Um, and, it, and it's this. I, I told the Lord a long time ago, if I ever, if I ever get the chance to serve Southlands, I'm gonna. I have received so much from this church over the years. Um, and and I, I, I'm actually kind of scared as I say this stuff that you're tuning me out thinking like, this is what the guest speaker has to say, how much they so appreciate being here, what an honor it is, you know? And it's like, no. No, I have received so much uh, from Alan and Rennell, for sure, uh, but also from the staff and from this church. And, and I want to say, and please hear me, um, because I didn't, I didn't pray about coming. <laughs> the sermon may not be great, um, but, but, I, but I savor um, the opportunity to stand before you and say, what you're doing here matters more than you know. And it has an impact in the state of California. I live in Visalia between Fresno and Bakersfield. What you're doing matters more than you know. What you're doing matters to more people than you actually know. The way that you're uh, sending is making a difference for us. The way that you're wrestling with the tension of being a word and spirit church, we've learned from, we've, we've, we've gleaned from. And so I just want to stand before you. And even if the sermon is not great, I just want to say thank you for what you're up to. Um, it's made a difference for us. So when they said, come serve, I was like, yes. It, it's kind of the, um, I had the same position with my wife. It was like that if I could ever talk this lady into marrying me, just a heads up, God, I'm gonna. Like, it's not, it's like a prayer, but it's not really a prayer. It's kind of giving God a heads up that you wanna do what you wanna do. Um, I, I really want to thank this church, and I am really genuinely grateful for this place. A lot of uh, memories here, so I'm really thankful. I am also really strong and courageous. <laughs> and we just met, so maybe I can't be that sarcastic, but 
when Alan called and said, will you preach? I said, yes. And then he said, will you preach on Joshua 1? And I said, no. I don't want to preach on being strong and courageous. I feel like really soft and sad right now. Can I talk about, you know, that? And he said, no, you have to. You have to speak on being strong. And I said, man, I said, get one of your rugby buddies to yell charge in a South African accent. You got the wrong guy for this message, you know? And he said, no, I think that's why you're the right guy, is you think you're the wrong guy. So anyway, I locked horns with Alan. I lost, and I'll be preaching from Joshua 1. <laughs> you have to. <laughs> I don't want to. You have to. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then it was not just Joshua 1. It's like Joshua 1 and then fast. And I was like, man, I, I don't know what I've been doing for the last 10 months, but it's been the opposite of fasting. So I just don't feel equipped to give this message. So anyway, I'm, I'm standing before you to say, I need these words. I need these days. I'm hungry to fast. I'm hungry to hear from God. As I spent time in Joshua 1, I thought, well, maybe Alan's on to something. So my wife and I are here, and we're hungry to participate. Um, but I come humbly um, needing uh, the very words that I'll share with you. My wife and I, um, and, and I would say our community in Visalia, um, has been, uh, to use the Apostle Paul's words, oppressed on, on every side, like sides that I didn't know I had. I went snowboarding last week for the first time in a long time. And you know, you're like sore in places you didn't even know. You're like, I didn't even know I had muscles there. I'm sore there. I've been pressed on every side, sides that I didn't know I had. Uh, but we're not crushed, are we? No. We're here lifting our voices and our eyes to Jesus. We have been perplexed, like genuinely, um, deeply, profoundly perplexed. Um, but that's not driven us to despair. Uh, that's driven us to, to him. That's what's been going on for us. We're persecuted, like maybe our first little taste of some persecution. Uh, but we've not been forsaken in that. He's been with us. We've been struck down. Uh, but not destroyed. And now we rise from the ashes with a little smirk on our face, like maybe we came through that. And there's a confidence growing in us. And I, I sense that here. Yeah. I sense that here. And I'm excited to be a part of it because we're not on the other side, but I think we're sensing now we're going to make it. And the Lord maybe added some things to us during this really difficult time. Maybe there was something to the wilderness. Maybe he's actually up to something in all of this and we're trusting him for the harvest to come. So let's be encouraged. Let's allow God to put courage in us as we read from Joshua chapter one. After the death of Moses, who was a servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, who was Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. 
Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, it'll all be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. It's a good word. I think in order to fully grasp what's happening here, I want you to understand the backdrop or where the Israelites have been up to this point. Where have they been that's led them to this place where they're receiving uh, this word? They have traveled a long road to get to this place. As you probably know, uh, what precedes this passage is 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. That's the backdrop to this, right? The Israelites were in Pharaoh's land. They were slaves. They were captives in Pharaoh's land. They were headed to the promised land. In between Pharaoh's land and the promised land was God's land, the wilderness. And they spent 40 years wandering that wilderness. And I want to paint a picture of the wilderness in Scripture um, because I think you might find in the wilderness some language for the groaning that we've gone through the last 10 months. I guess I'm suggesting to you that we've been in something of a wilderness and you should find yourself uh, in this story. So here's just a few of the things that the wilderness was for the people of God. The first thing you need to know about the wilderness is that it was an education. It was a classroom. It was a place of testing and trial. You know that in a classroom, it's not just that you learn, you're then tested on what you know, and that test reveals the gaps maybe in your understanding, but lessons are learned, and certainly in the wilderness, it's a trying time, it's a time of testing. It's like a mandatory field trip. Everyone who's gonna follow God is gonna follow God in the wilderness. It's his classroom, and that was certainly uh, the case for them. There's extreme conditions in the wilderness that cause pressure and pain 
and nothing is more revealing or I would say educational than pressure and pain. A lot gets exposed. There are things that we can only learn in suffering and pain. How many have felt like in the last year this has been something of an education? <laughs> Exposing. Uh, these tests have not been flattering. What's been revealed in us has been uh, discouraging at times, right? The other thing that you need to know about the wilderness in Scripture is that it's a paradox. It's a mixed bag. On one hand, the wilderness is a place of danger. It's presented as a, a, a place of exposure where we are subjected to the elements it's a place of temptation. It's a place of rebellion. It's a place of difficulty. It's a place of lack. It's a place of trials. It's all of those things for real. And then on the other hand, it's presented as God's country where God meets with his people, a place of miracles a place of encountering God, a place of supernatural provision, a place where people return from it filled with power. Somehow in the wilderness, in the paradox, you're stripped back and then also given great power and clarity. What a great way to describe the last year as a paradox. I mean, how are you doing? I, I don't know. Yeah. All the things. It defies category. The best of times, the worst of times. Every time I talk to someone about the last 10 months, it's like it's a mix. The best of times, the worst of times. I've never been so close to my kids. I've never been so close to killing my kids same day. I have five daughters, by the way. So the question is, do I need all those? Like, that's the question, right? <laughs> what a mix. I mean, even we're, it's like, even if it's been good for your family, you know families that it's not been good for. Even if it's been good for your business, you know businesses that are out of business. What a mix. It defies category. It's not any one thing. It's everything. This is the wilderness. It's a paradox. The wilderness in Scripture is presented as disorienting. There's a pattern in Scripture that goes something like this. Orientation. You're in Egypt. That place of safety becomes a place of captivity, or as one person put it, that womb becomes a tomb. You can't stay there. They're oriented there. And then disorientation in the wilderness. No markers, no sense of what's happening, no sense of rhythm. And then a reorientation in the promised land. But that pattern appears all throughout Scripture. Location, dislocation, relocation. 
There's no familiar markers in the wilderness. When you think of the desert place, I know I think of like vast expanse of like sand. But the wilderness was actually a rocky hill country. You couldn't see for miles in every direction. When they were in Goshen, the people of God could see 30 to 40 miles in every direction. But God led them into a place where they couldn't plan and they had no perspective. Remember when we could plan? That was awesome. <laughs> I had like thoughts beyond what I would do tomorrow. It's disorienting. There's no familiar markers. And certainly that's been the case for us. I'm seeing this happen uh, all, all throughout the body in my own church and beyond. There's a migration happening right now. People who were once located in my church are dislocated and relocating at this time. And as I watch this migration, I can see, I can't see all of it right now, but I can see the hand of God in what's happening. There's a migration. So many people have landed in Visalia uh, from large cities. There's an exodus happening from large cities. I know you guys have experienced that. I too have lost friends to Idaho. Anybody lose a friend to Idaho? Anybody wish you got lost to Idaho? Anybody lose a friend to Texas? There's something, there's something going on uh, here. And, and, and I'm beginning to see God's hand in, in what's happening. Beyond being disorienting, um, the, te- the wilderness is presented as a place that's full of temptation. What a great way to describe this last year. I had a friend give me a word. He was like, love's not easily provoked. You know, and I'm like, man, I have been, I've never been more provoked. It's full of temptation, the wilderness. And there are times for all of us where we go looking for temptation. But anyone in recovery knows there are times when temptation comes looking for you. In the wilderness, temptation comes looking for you. And the reason it comes looking for you is there's nothing appealing about the desert. It doesn't look good. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't taste good. And whatever is happening, whatever God's wanting to do in that place is a difficult work. And we typically want relief more than we want restoration. This year has been full of temptation. Another thing about the wilderness that I think is fitting for us is that it's just always at, it's ill-timed. It's at an inopportune time. That's what I notice. These people who've been in bondage for 400 years are delivered through these fireworks, these crazy miracles, and then they're led into the wilderness. You know, you would think, it's time for the promised land. And it's like, no, it's time for the wilderness. Jesus, baptized, comes up out of the water. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Spirit descends on him and then leads him into the wilderness. It it, it doesn't come when we think it's gonna come. My plans for 2020 are like hilarious to look at at this point. It was my 40th year of life and it was 2020, a year of vision. The things I thought I was gonna do are like comical. You can read it. You can either laugh or cry. (laughs) 
What an inopportune time. Who saw that coming? We thought we were headed into this and instead we were headed somewhere else. Of course, I'm saying all of this to you because I'm saying that where the Israelites were at, I think is where many of us are at today. We've been schooled. We're in a mixed bag for sure. We're disoriented. We're in a time full of temptation. It's just not the right time for any of us. And so would you allow this word to speak to you if, if that's where you're at? So of course, at this moment, when they receive these words as the people of God, they are discouraged. They're confused. They're afraid. They're dismayed. That's why God has to say over and over again, be strong, be courageous. They're fearful. They're confused. That's where they're at. It's, it's impossible for me to overstate here the effect that wandering for 40 years has on somebody. It'd be impossible for me to overstate the impact that the wilderness had on them. Promised land? Really? Save it. I don't want to hear any more about, oh, milk and honey? Yeah, <laughs> right. That'd be cool. Anyway. Hope deferred makes your heart sick. And they were sick with cynicism. I guarantee it. No one wanders for 40 years and is ready to rock. <laughs> it's impossible to overstate what the death of Moses must have meant to them. Uh, God's mouthpiece is dead. And now, now we cross the Jordan? He's the only pastor we've ever known. He's the only prophet we've ever known. He's gone, and now it's go time. What I want you to see here is there's no way that the people of God are on their toes, leaning in, ready to go. They're on their heels, confused, dismayed, hurt, afraid, and this word comes. And the question I found myself asking is if that's where they'd been and that's where they're at, what did they receive from God that caused them to lean in or to go forward? Why not continue to sit back in their disappointment? Why step up? Why step forward? Why were they willing to come out of despair and step into their destiny? What was it that God gave them that caused them to lean forward. Well, courage came. And courage came as a result of a few things that I think you, you, you could see real clearly uh, in this passage. This isn't clever, but courage came first as a result of a really clear assignment. God came with really clear steps during a confusing time. There's no riddles here. It's a really clear assignment. And I think we've all experienced courage rising when clarity comes. 
where we're kind of waffling, right? Paralysis through analysis, what should I do? And then the light bulb goes off. And even if what comes is something difficult, there's a courage, there's an energy, there's a power that rises in us to do what we clearly know we need to do. This is a clear assignment that comes. Moses, he's dead. Yeah, no mixing words there. Moses is dead, arise, go. Go over the Jordan, you. Take the people into that land. I'm gonna give it to them. It's really clear marching orders. Yes, Alan warned me about that. <laughs> A real clear call came their way and I believe it produced courage in them. My experience has been in the church, and, and help me if this has been your experience, is that I think people are crystal clear about what they're not supposed to do and don't have a clue of what God's called them to. Your list about what you're supposed to abstain from is very long and very specific. Your list of what you're called to engage in is very short, generic, and kind of vague. I don't know, Bible reading? I'm not making fun of that. You are called to Bible reading, but it, it's just, it's kind of vague. There's a vague sense of what God's invited you to do. And then you're super detailed about what you're supposed to abstain from. And I guess what I want to say to you this morning is that in order to abstain from certain things, you have to be clearer about what you're called into. What are you, what, what for? I know what from, but what for? Because I don't think you got a shot at abstaining from certain things if you're not clear on what you're supposed to do. This is what God's called me to. I'm clear about it. And I think as you get clear, I mean, the Bible calls it vision. I mean, with it comes tremendous discipline. We're able to throw off everything that entangles, everything that's keeping you from what God's called you to. You have to have a vision that calls you through the pain of transformation, and it has to be clear, it has to be vivid, it has to be technicolor, right? So this is what comes, is a clear vision of what they're called to do, and courage rises. God's bringing us, this is part of the reason we're fasting, clarity, clarity. God's bringing us out of this very confusing time into greater clarity and I hope clear assignment. Would you have the courage to ask him? Would you have the courage to press in? Where do you want me? Have you called me here? Who have you called me to, right? What are we doing, Lord? Why are we doing it? Why am I where I'm at, right? So that we can emerge through this fast with clarity and courage to stand. This is my place. It's not Idaho. I thought about it. <laughs> These are my people. They're annoying. Gosh. But they're mine. This is where you've put me. This is who God is. This is his character. This is how he works in the wilderness. This is what he's up to. This is my future. 
This is my hope. It's clear and it's concrete and it's compelling. God, move us out of the confusion and into greater clarity and cause courage to rise. Consecrate yourself. That's the word in Joshua. Comes in the third chapter. I know you know what you're supposed to be set apart from. I'm not worried about that. What are you set apart for? What are you set apart to? Get clear. Courage will rise. Courage, courage came. You better believe courage came when God said, I'm going with you. You better believe that Joshua was like, oh, that's a game changer. God's going with us. So God clearly says there will be a battle, but I'll be with you in the battle. Oh, it's, it's, it's not like cruise control. There will be a fight, but know that I'll be there with you. I'll fight with you. I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. You better believe courage began to rise in him when he heard that word, right? Yeah. I promise to go with you. If the presence of other people produces courage, this is another lesson from snowboarding. It's been a long time since I've been egged on by my friends like that. <laughs> if the presence of other people produces courage, how much more when the Almighty says, I'm with you. Courage began to rise, right? Joshua, who was Moses' aide, would have known about the, mo about the moment when Moses, his mentor, cried out to God and said, if your presence doesn't go with us, I'm not even going to go. I won't go. Your presence is everything to us. What, what will distinguish us from all the other people groups on the face of the earth if your presence doesn't go with us? Moses modeled that hunger. And of course, when God steps in and says to Joshua, I'll be with you the way I was with Moses, courage began to rise in the people of God. God gave this message to Joshua. Did you notice that? Like God got up in Moses, God got up in Joshua's grill. Wasn't an angel, no mediator. He spoke to Joshua face to face. I'll be with you. Look at me. I'll be with you. You know what that would have meant to him? Moses is not present. I'm right here. He's gone. I'm not going anywhere. Look at me, Joshua. I'm not going anywhere. Whoa. Courage begins to rise. Of course, when we think about presence and God's presence, um, I, I, I think about comfort. <laughs> it's comforting to have someone by your side. 
And I think when we hear, oh, God's presence is here, we think, oh, blanket. His comforter. But of course, we see in this passage that his presence, God getting up in your grill, doesn't just bring comfort, it brings challenge. And God doesn't coddle Joshua. He challenges him. See, and I don't know how that works with the presence of God. I think it's unique to the presence of God where you feel both comforted and then some very strong and direct things are said to you. And it brings both comfort uh, and challenge. I mean, God is so painfully direct. Moses is dead. Like, oh, okay. Go. Okay. You know, no, no asking Joshua how he may feel about assuming this large leadership position. No room for Joshua to say, well, this is my Enneagram type and no room to explore this new opportunity to lead the people of God. There's no conversation. There's command. Move out. Go. The presence of God will bring great comfort to us to know that he's fighting by our side. The presence of God brings great uh, challenge. This, of course, is fitting with Jesus, who, who again never seems to coddle us in our fear, but he challenges fear with command. There's still good reasons to be afraid. There's still some huge questions here of how are we gonna do this and why is this any different than it was years ago? Command comes. Courage came with obedience. I believe courage began to rise with obedience. Now, therefore, arise and go. Take the people into the land that I'm giving to them. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I've given you, just as I promised Moses. Courage is those one, one of those things that I think begins to grow as you move. As you take steps, I think it begins to uh, grow. We believe in God's uh, sovereignty. We enjoy that idea that God is sovereign, but not as an excuse for our inactivity. You can see this kind of tension, um, which I know you guys love living in the kind of both and, but there's a connection here between divine sovereignty, I am giving you, and human responsibility, right? Every place your foot treads. Get walking. You will inherit. Inherit. You will inherit. But inheriting this land has little to do with sitting back and receiving. You need to step forward and take hold of what God's giving you. Step up, step forward, take it on, take hold. Let's go, begin to walk. I find this like the most challenging part of being a parent is like all my kids want to understand before they obey. Why? Because I said, why, why, why wouldn't we? They're getting older. It's getting worse. <laughs> they have ideas now. And, some, and you know what's the worst is that sometimes they're good ideas. They're better than the idea I had. But you can't say that. 
You just gotta double down. Cause I said! <laughs> Isn't that the case for us, you know? God says move out, why? Then we write out the pros and cons. We wanna understand before we obey. The way the kingdom works is that we obey before we fully understand. And if you're going to sit back and wait until you fully understand before you fully step in and obey, you won't grow and we won't go forward as a church. The way the kingdom is designed is that you obey before you fully understand, which is fully frustrating. Fasting is one of those things, isn't it? I don't totally understand how me being grouchy is helping, you know? I find myself thinking about food more when I don't have food, Lord, and I was supposed to be thinking about you, and all I can think about is food, and it's one of those things that we obey. We don't, we don't know what's happening. We're trusting him with, uh, I think, what Ryan shared about these shaping desires inside of us. That's, I said that, right? Ryan? Yeah. All right, thank you. I got nervous all of a sudden. I'd like to go on record and say his name was Ryan. Okay. It's like my brother here was saying. Um, of course, God's gracious to us and we're not without understanding. We have God's revealed word concerning who he is and what he's doing. And lastly, I just want to say courage is anchored in God's word. It's, it's anchored in God's revealed word. You can see that in this passage, hopefully pretty clearly. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Listen, your sense of clarity is going to shift quickly. Your sense of God's presence can shift very quickly. I'm not saying God's presence shifts. Your sense of God's presence shifts. Your ability to obey, well, I wouldn't build anything on that. <laughs> the foundation we need is God's word. It will not shift. It endures forever. Courage, our courage, is anchored in God's revealed word to us. We have these great and precious promises that we're anchored in. We have these clear instructions that we're anchored in. We have these commands that we've been given. We have this great story that we've been given. And you need to understand that what God is up in Joshua's grill saying to him is simply a reiteration of what's been said to Moses. And during this fast, if God's up in your grill, it'll be a reiteration of what God has already said so that we can anchor it in God's revealed word to us. We have this great story to live into. 
before you, holding in your hands, hopefully a real Bible. Let's just be done with screens forever. We have the ark of human history. We have a story that we can find ourselves in. What story are you living into? What are you stewing on? What are you meditating on? What's the story that you find yourself living into? If the last 10 months have taught us anything, it's taught us that the story that you're living into is very important. Story trumps science and data every time. Every time. No, 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 no. No, not for me. I'm a science guy. I've had lots of conversations with science guys. I don't know. You're a story guy. And you look for science to support your story. Well, the data. Data's dead. I don't even know what that means anymore. <laughs> the data. Well, the data. Data's dead. You have a story that you're living in a story that you're telling yourself, and you look for science and data to support it, that's been the last 10 months. Courage is anchored in God's word, God's story to us. When your calling is unclear, when his presence is unfelt, when we're not walking in obedience but rebellion, there is light for our path, there's a word for us. Would you go ahead and stand with me? Thank you. <laughs> hey, it is impossible to talk about the wilderness, which we talked about, to talk about God with us, to talk about living by his word, to talk about trial, to talk about temptation, to talk about courage and obedience, to talk about pain and suffering without talking about Jesus, who took his own little mandatory field trip to the wilderness, not for 40 years, but for 40 days. And what happened there was that Jesus succeeded in all the ways that the people of God have failed. And he clearly understood the story he was living into. Don't turn to the right or to the left to get your story. Be anchored in God's word to us. Meditate on it, stew on it. And here's Jesus in the wilderness being tempted and his responses come from the story of the Israelites in the wilderness. He knows exactly where he's at. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's succeeding in all the ways that we fail. He's providing for us. He refused to use his power to produce some sort of a shortcut. He was obedient. And our courage is now anchored in his obedience. He refused in the wilderness a soft life. He refused comfort. He refused to skip the cross. Had an opportunity to go straight to the crown and he said, no, I'll take the cross because he was trusting the Father. Trusting that this pain and pressure was gonna produce something. 
He, in the wilderness, lived on God's word. He was bold and courageous. He didn't shrink back from death, but he drank the cup that his father put before him. Even unto death, and not just death, but death on a cross. He's our Joshua. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He commands us, don't fear. He won't coddle us in our fear. He'll challenge you. He provides for us. He's the living word. He's life to us. He's empowered us with his spirit. And he's calling us forward. He's our victory. Even when we're unclear, disobedient, and have no sense of his presence, he is that for us. As we take communion today, remember his body broken for you, his blood shed for you to sustain you in the wilderness.